Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Yuma. Thanks for listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. And welcome into Community Concepts, where we talk about items related to both employment and the community. Of course, the environment is part of that community, and it would appear there are more jobs related to quote-unquote green endeavors, which some are actually terming green-collar jobs. Some of these may be directly involved, while others are more hands-on. Our guest today is Greg Ehrendrike. He's a research analyst at Midwest Energy Efficiency Alliance. And while his position obviously relates, he's also coming to us with some personal insight and experience as a former member of the steering committee for the Chicagoland Green Collar Jobs Initiative. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. We appreciate you coming on. An interesting sort of idea, this uh, thought of green collar jobs and relating to the environment, of course. But first of all, give the listeners an idea of what you do with the Midwest Energy Efficiency Alliance and also what you did do in the past with Chicagoland Green Collar Jobs Initiative. Sure. Midwest Energy Efficiency Alliance, MIA, is a membership organization. We're a nonprofit. Our members are state and local government, energy utilities, research organizations, manufacturers, energy service providers, and other uh, energy advocates. We advance energy efficiency in a 13-state region covering the Midwest and the Great Plains. We've been doing that since 2000. Okay. At MIA, I'm the research analyst for our policy team. One of my major roles is that I track energy efficiency data like annual spending and annual savings for all of the uh, utilities in the region mm-hmm. and try to project what, those, what the future impacts are going to be of any changes in energy efficiency policies. So I spend a lot of time digging in, in utility regulatory dockets and doing a lot of data mining from those and from the Energy Information Administration and any other materials that come my way. Sure. We create educational materials for policymakers and utilities and all our members to uh, keep everybody up to date on on where the trends are in the industry and what the new things are happening. I also do IT support for the office and AV and uh, web and communications work, so I wear a lot of hats. Uh, Yeah, it sounds like it. And then as far as the Chicagoland Green Collar Jobs Initiative, what was that about? What were you kind of doing with that organization? That was a committee that started, I think, back in 2006. And I served on it from 2008 till uh, 2013. What the Green Collar Jobs Initiative was, was trying to build a network among all the people working in the green jobs industries in Chicago, Mm -hmm. especially in um, trying to build connections between, between people working in similar fields and trying to build connections between workforce development and employers. We ended up wrapping it up early 2013, January last year, because we couldn't maintain the funding that we needed to keep it going as a committee. Sure. So we felt it was, it was, we'd, we'd made a lot of connections between people. We'd gotten workforce development organizations thinking about green jobs and how to, to work in that environmental aspect. It was, it was a good time to wrap up. Well, you know, again, as you said, you wrapped it up, you guys uh, made some nice connections. And I wanted to touch on the idea of green jobs, as you sort of brought up, and that's what we want to talk about today. In general, I mean, how do you define green job? Are there are there a lot of different types out there? Is there a lot of demand? I mean, kind of give everyone a sense of of what you've seen, what you've experienced in terms of what it is and what the outlook is like. I'm going to give you kind of a, a formal definition that it's the one that some of the major organizations, the Apollo Alliance and Green for All, define the green collar jobs as well-paid career track jobs that contribute directly to preserving or enhancing environmental quality. Hmm. 
So they say, like traditional blue-collar jobs, green-collar jobs range from low-skill entry-level positions to high-skill, higher-paid jobs and include opportunities for advancement in both skills and wages. Green-collar jobs tend to be local because many involve work transforming and upgrading immediately built natural environments such as retrofitting buildings, installing solar panels, constructing transit lines, and landscaping. Okay. So it's it's kind of a broad definition. Sure. It's, it's very much, you know, if you look at what we'd call a blue-collar job and tack the environment onto that, <laughs> and that, that's kind of what we're looking at as, as a green-collar job. Right. You could also get into into some of the you know positions like mine that are that are more of the the office white collar right type of jobs too obviously. So do you get a sense that there is a growing demand? Is there a I mean is it still kind of a I don't want to call it a niche market, but I mean in essence it's sort of been developing over the years. Uh, what do you see as the outlook for types these types of jobs? I think the outlook is strong because I think that there's a lot of jobs that that can be fit into those categories, and there's a lot of sort of greening up of jobs in general. Um, if you really want, you know, to look at numbers mm-hmm. on what, um, how many green jobs there are, that's going to, you know, depend on a lot on who you ask. My sure. favorite resource, um, there's a 2011 study that came out of the Brookings Institution called Sizing the Green Economy. And what it did was grouped the green economy into five classes, agriculture and natural resources conservation, education and compliance, energy and resource efficiency, greenhouse gas reduction, environmental management and recycling, and renewable energy. Uh, And then they further broke that down to 40 different segments. They've got information you can look at at how many jobs there are, job growth from from 2000 to 2010 Mm -hmm. in every state in the country, major metropolitan regions. So really, uh, you know, a fabulous data-rich resource. Right. Unfortunately, their numbers only go through 2010. Okay. But from conversations I've had with them, they say that they're planning an update. Hopefully, that's going to come out next summer that'll bring those numbers, you know, up a little. Yeah. And I think even having that, even having that data kind of gives you an idea of maybe the direction. And as you said, it certainly does seem like a lot of companies are are looking to evolve in those ways and there are more jobs. So um, I think it's probably a good indication. But yeah, it'd be great to see some updated numbers soon with that. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, even if there are jobs out there, possibly, you know, prospective jobs coming, what would you say are some of the challenges in finding work that, you know, if you want it to be focused on being green, are are there certain issues that you would see people would have as opposed to finding just sort of your typical job? I mean, obviously, yeah, finding any employment is is an issue for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's one of the areas that we've really tried hard in in the green jobs movement to, to think about is how to reach especially the people that have the hardest time finding jobs. The ex-offender population has been a strong component of the workforce development, returning military veterans. Hmm. Those are both, you know, areas that people have have been putting a lot of effort into trying to come up with answers for. The other issue that we've seen a lot of is you can get the workforce development agencies training people. You can get the the government investment like there was from the... um, Recovery Act investment. There was a lot of investment in weatherization through that, and a lot of people that were trained to work weatherization jobs. But then the issue is how to connect that trained workforce to the actual employers, and that's always right. been a, a big challenge: is is building that pipeline from the training to the people that are going to be using those those workers. So since you since you brought up the idea of training um, and you know an education that sort of thing. For most green jobs, I mean, are you looking at having a specific 
degree or, or a certain amount of training that would be required? Are there certifications that are necessary? And again, I know it could it could run the gamut, but sort of as a sure, as a general sure. rule, what would you suggest to people who would be maybe looking into finding a green collar job? Well, I would say the major thing about green jobs is that it's the same skills that you need for any job. Right. Like the soft skills, getting there on time, doing your job correctly, dealing with the politics in the workplace, communicating, dressing appropriately, all those sort of things that, that sort of go into getting a job and keeping a job. Any you know specific job is going to have its own set of skills, but sometimes the, the green aspect of it is, is just kind of a matter of a adapting mm-hmm. to different ways of doing things. I think a good example of that is if you're a carpenter and you're working in, in home construction and you're used to building a, a two-by-four stud wall, you know, transferring that skill to learning to build it into a two-by-six stud wall for installation of thicker insulation to meet a green building standard. Okay. A lot of it is, is just kind of minor adaptation of, you know, existing skill sets that, that you already have for right. doing those jobs. There are, you know, definitely certifications you can get, you know, in, in energy efficiency, you know, architects and consultants that get training in, in lead from the U.S. Green Building Council, okay. building code inspectors get trained to check for meeting the requirements of modern energy codes. We train heating, ventilation, air conditioning installers to properly size and install furnace and air conditioning systems to maximize efficiency and, and really achieve what it says you know, on the side of the machine. Right. People are being trained to to do home weatherization for low-income housing assistance projects. So there's there's a lot of sort of trainings out there, and it, it very much sort of depends on which field you're in. Right, yeah, and that makes sense. But I, I do appreciate you bringing up the fact that, you know, a lot of it is sort of just an, a complement to what you maybe already know, what you've already done, and then finding those ways to incorporate the, the green aspect into those types of positions, into those, uh, you know, industries specifically. So when you look at different you know, types of people that are looking for jobs, you're going to have those people who really are searching for those green jobs because it's important to them. It matters. Then you might have the others who see it as an opportunity you know, to enhance their career or, or to move forward with in that case. Do you see it as being an inherent advantage or disadvantage to somebody who sees it as extremely important to be involved with the environment and helping certain um, types of individuals? Have you come across any differences when it comes to those types of people? No, I would I wouldn't say so. I think that in some cases you're gonna you're gonna see the people that have the lifelong passion for it that that are really dedicated to it. You're gonna see them in in more of the uh, you know the the jobs that require the bachelor's degrees, the master's degrees, the people that 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 have gone to college and and studied right. further in um, you know environmental science and and engineering and such. So you'll you'll probably you know see them in probably higher proportions in the sort of the white collar end of the green collar jobs, but not in all cases either. A lot of a lot of people in energy efficiency have come up through through working in the utilities, working sure. there, and and have then you know through through promotion and advancement are now working in the energy efficiency programs for their utilities. But I think it's it's you know it's one of those areas that passion is important. But it isn't everything either. You, it's you know, you you gain that understanding on right. the job as as much as you you gain it beforehand. Too, as you work in a field, you get to understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right, and then you sort of get that passion just by learning and being involved in it. Exactly, and it 
and other people's passion rubs off. Right, exactly, exactly. No, I think that's definitely a fair point. With that in mind, are there other are there organizations out there right now or places people could look to to, to possibly network within um, you know, the green jobs realm or really areas you would suggest that they could learn more, Any, anything you could offer up? One of the big nationwide green jobs organizations is called Green for All. They're the, the big national advocacy organization based out of Oakland. You know, they're the, the major one. But then there's also um, other organizations, the Apollo Alliance and the mm-hmm. uh, Blue Green Alliance are both environmental slash labor collaboration organizations. Uh, they actually, I think they merged a couple of years ago, so now it's just um, the Apollo Blue Green Alliance. Okay. The Sierra Club has been doing a lot of work with Apollo and Blue Green and, and in the green jobs space as well. So then in the meantime, if somebody isn't necessarily reaching out to these organizations, uh, is there a way a job seeker could display to a potential employer like, hey, you know, I understand this green side of things. I want to be involved. I think it's important. Uh, any little things they can do to possibly relate it to a, a position they're looking for? Sure. In my experience, what got me into this was and sort of got my foot in the door was volunteering. Okay. When I started out, my resume was, was spotty. <laughs> But what I, I think what I had and what my was able to, you know, demonstrate on my resume was, was leadership ability from volunteer positions that I'd held with organizations that I'd worked with, communication skills that mm-hmm. I'd built up through that, and sort of that demonstrated ability to turn passion into action. So I think that, that people that are, you know, looking to get involved, you know, there's organizations like the U.S. Green Building Council that have committees you can join. Mm-hmm. You could get involved in ways of greening up your current job if you have one, join the, you know, the green team or start a green team, get involved in the initiatives that some cities have, like Chicago has a green office challenge that companies can participate in. Okay. Volunteer with nonprofits that that work in grassroots outreach or lobbying that, you know, really get their volunteers involved instead of just you know, envelope stuffing or things like that. It's that opportunity to sort of seek an opportunity to do some leadership and get an understanding of the field that you're interested in, how it works, who's out there, make the connections, learn who the players are. Yeah, and I think I think that is a big thing. Um, you know, just as far as as you mentioned, you were trying to connect people with the Chicagoland uh, stuff you were doing, and um, I think that uh, that that always goes a long way. We always talk about that with networking. Uh, we are getting low on time here. I want to give you the chance at the end to, if you had any advice for uh, people looking into green jobs, any any final things you would offer up to them as we look to wrap up the show? One of the guys that's been inspiring me recently, a guy named Mike Rowe, who was formerly the host of the TV show Dirty Jobs. Sure, yep. Let's say a lot of the jobs that he profiles on that show are, you know, dirty and gross, but <laughs> ultimately they're green jobs. They're clean up, they're running a lot moving dirt and and cleaning things up and running hydroelectric dams and all those sort of things that he's profiled on there um one of the points that he always makes is work smarter not harder is is really uh you know it's an old saying and it's Mm -hmm. really not true it should be work smarter and harder (laughs) and i think that that's you know a great voice for technical and vocational education as a pathway out of poverty right now okay and he's pretty funny and a lot of what he does is even though it's not really recognized it really is in the green jobs area and i think he's someone to watch in terms of uh you know being inspired to to take that next step and find the pathway 
Great. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great piece of advice as far as uh, somebody who's recognizable. And um, I like how you mentioned it may not be seen by a lot of people as in the green jobs area. But uh, as you said, a lot of the work does relate quite well to that. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Community Concepts. Again, we've been talking with Greg Arendreich today. He's a research analyst at Midwest Energy Efficiency Alliance. We've been discussing the idea of green jobs and where that's going in the future. Greg, thanks again for coming on and sharing your perspective with us. Sure. And as usual, we're looking to hear from you, the listeners, as well. Go ahead and send us comments or suggestions to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at the LJN. Use the hashtag LJNRadio and get involved with some more conversation on Twitter. For everybody here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>